You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. In this episode of Going Deeper for September 19, 2014, we are hearing from George Snaven sharing on the Hands community. His talk is entitled Radical Community. Thank you. Morning, everyone. Um, so, so we're going to do digging deeper this morning, and I'm combining it a bit with um, knowing that there are a couple of new people in our midst, and I think it's it's a it's a healthy thing to do every couple of times a year, and just to remind ourselves again, uh, what are we about, and why, and how. Um, this, this week I had an opportunity to actually speak with a couple of people, but just yesterday I sat with Mark and we looked at the growth of some people in hands and, and just things that are happening. And You know, it's, it's, honestly, it's not about the work. It's about that person, the potential of that person coming through. Um, it's about seeing somebody growing into the role that God has given them. And it brings great, great, great joy when we see that happen. Um, I think for a long time in hands we've been dreaming and looking for that to happen. And now seeing it happening in so many places, it's so incredible. And I want to ask you this morning, do you see that? Can you see that? Not just in other people, I hope you can. Because there's awesome, exciting things happening around us. But also in our own lives. Um, this week, this month, I was working through the book of Proverbs. And honestly, it was just, it was so beautiful to me, but it was so convicting to me. As I, I read certain um, wisdom from um, Solomon and, and all the wise people who, who wrote in the book of Proverbs. And, and to sometimes it cut through me. I would read verses and it will expose me. It will show hidden things behind my motives. But you know, I never felt after my quiet time, woe to me or poor to me. I, I would catch myself walking to the office or wherever I went, just thanking God that He showed it to me. Thanking God that He means business with me. Thanking God that I'm part of this. Thanking God as I walk past that flat that the guys are doing such incredible work on and I watch it exploding and everybody's involved and taking ownership and that excitement around that new development. But it's easier to sometimes to see the building than it is to see people around us developing. And then for each one of us, have you grown this year? Have you, have you crossed some Rubicons this year? Are you part of the exciting new thing that God's doing in our midst? Do you desire that? This morning I want to speak to you about, and I want to call it, radical community. And I want to speak to you a little bit about that. Some of it is going to be old hat. I'm asking you, Take that old hat and make it fresh in your heart this morning. I know this is God for us. And you know, one of the biggest ways I know it for sure in my heart is that George cannot be faithful to something for 20 years. 
and still be as passionate about it this morning as I was the day God revealed it to me, if it was not God. It's impossible. I can, I can try and whip something up here for six months, maybe for two years. But guys, after, after 15 years, that fire is burning stronger and harder in our hearts than ever. And people speak that language fluent. When I go to Kisunka and I go to <laughs> Makadera and I hear language and I say, that's the language that God put on our lips 15 years ago. Then I know it is our Father. So I want to speak, I want us to take stock again. And this morning, as I, I speak to you about, about the hands and other like-minded communities, I'm certainly not saying this is exclusively hands. I, I nearly want to say, let's do it like a, a Google Earth thing. Okay? So <laughs> we, we're going we're to spot it and spy it out from the sky kind of thing. And now and then, you're going to see me going, Zhoo! and I'm going to zoom right into the hub or into something. But then we'll go out again and we'll, we'll go around. And so this is, not a, this is not something just for the hub or for hands in Africa. This is something we passionately believe God wants for us and all our friends and churches, individuals, you know, people loving us all over the world. This is for all of us. You know, it's important for us to understand that God created communities like hands to represent a specific part of his body. We should never be ashamed of that. When people say, yeah, you always talk about, yes, of course. <laughs> That's what we do. This is who we are. My hand always do specific things. Always feed my mouth. My mouth don't go down. should never be ashamed about that. And that, friends, I, I really got to stay focused because you don't have much time, but I don't want us to try and be everything to everybody. Because this week we all chase fair trade coffee because we love justice. And a month ago, month ago later on, we chased slavery, and then we're going to chase abortion, and then we're going to chase evangelizing the 1040 window. All of it are good things. You were not called for all of them. Different parts of the body. And you've got to, and that's a fundamental thing you will know about your call in hands. When I talk about what God's called us, inside you it goes, yes, yes, yes. And, and after 20 years I read Proverbs and I read scriptures about righteousness and justice and I go, God, that's me. <laughs> Honestly, I do. I become, I'm as excited this morning as I was the first time God showed the poor to me. This is who we are called. This community have specifically been called for a very specific message to represent a certain part of his body in a specific time of history. It's very important for us to understand that we need to know what's happening in our history. That's why you will often hear me talk to you about the church outside Africa, the church in Africa, this is happening, this is happening. It's our business. We've got to become good at understanding the playing field that God gave us. Because we want to be influencers. We want to be agents of change. We've got to become skillful. We, we are called in a specific time of history. We should never apologize for that. 
but we should rather embrace it and be faithful in our message that's been given to us. Not the hands message. That's a message that's been given to each one of us. We are not doing it because we choose the message, but because it's a message that we know God has asked us to be stewards of. Wow. Isn't that incredible responsibility? God said, I trust you with this message. It's like, a, it's like a businessman giving somebody funding and said, I trust you to go and multiply this. God said, I trust you with my heart for the poor. I trust that you're going to do this for me. You know, historically, many communities like, eh, like us seemingly had very little impact in their generation. Yet, Generations after them were radically changed by them. Radically. Like hundreds and thousands of people. I'm sharing this with you because it's very important for us to understand. We don't know what impact we're going to have in this life or in the next generation or future. You know, the moment there's a massive new awareness of the Franciscan order. I don't know if you know about that. People are flogging by the tens and thousands to become like that again. Can you imagine? This guy was, he was thrown out of his own church. He was excommunicated from his church. He was called rubbish and names. Hundreds of years later, there are still young people all over the developed world that are inspired to live like St. Francis and to live a new lifestyle. So I want you to know that what God has called us to do, it's not for us to say, well, it's working. Shall we continue? Shall we change our strategy or our message so people like it more? It's not like that. We do it because it's the right thing to do. So can I quickly just read to you a few things about our message? And I'm sure you know all of it, but it's good for us to hear it again. It starts like this. This is our entry point, really, for our message. And, and we can never say it enough. If you know me, and I know you yourself also, I'm always trying to find new, creative, shocking, 3D ways to bring this message. An unwet teenage pregnancy will always bring disgrace to whichever culture it is. A teenage girl becoming pregnant, especially when that girl openly declares that her very fiancé is not the father. Think about that. Don't just hear that. Think about that. Such pregnancies bring such reproach to their families but yet God chose to come into this world via a peasant family, stirring up a cloud of shame by the way he entered. The truth is, friends, Jesus was an illegitimate son of a carpenter and the whole village knew that. Why did Jesus choose to be born among the defeated people? in a backward town, shadow of dishonor through a dirt poor, unwed teenager. Why? There's one reason. 
He was showing solidarity with them. Jesus chose, out of all the billions of ways he could have entered, Jesus chose the most shameful, disgraceful, targeting a young teenage girl. So many of them become pregnant because nothing that they had to do with that. They are total victims and then they are stigmatized and abused and rejected. Bushy can tell you how she worked with those people in the communities. Jesus said, I'll be one of their sons because I want you to get who I am, who my dad is. I cannot think of a way to speak louder than to actually do it to you. He understood that we need to learn about our father, his character, and this is the best way he thought he could taught us. Jesus arrived in this earth and he gave us a loud and clear message through his birth. He did not choose to be with emperors, rich people, powerful people, but he chose to be with the poor and the peasants. When he selected his students, he selected, please hear, he selected uneducated fishermen. Oh yes, and one man who made a small fortune by cheating others. Oh, and a rebellious zealot who wanted to overthrow the government by force. When he sent them the first time into the field, he said to them, take nothing with you. Nothing. And from, apart from the message of this new kingdom, this new dream that I'm giving you. And the kingdom of God came near the people wherever they went. You know why? Because they came near the people. The kingdom of God went into the villages because his disciples went into the villages. They did not invite the people to their churches. They did not invite them to big evangelistic outreaches. In fact, the very first thing Jesus ever did with his disciples is he taught them to do holy home visits. That's your model. Jesus was so serious about showing the power of the message that he forbid them to take anything that can distract them because he knew if we've got one little stick that we're going to walk with, we're going to say, oh, well, it happened because of my stick. And we're going to start clinging to the stick. And so he said, you take no money, no clothing, no food. Why did Jesus make such a strong appeal to them? Well, he wanted them first of all to understand that the good news, number one, is what is in them. It is the good news of the gospel. Think about hands, how often we speak to teams and say, we do not want the handout mentality. Why? Jesus did not want that. 
Because he said, once you do that, you're going to think that is the thing that blesses people. And it is not. It's you. It's you and me. This is not a plan we were thinking out on our own. This is God's very heart. But you know, he did it for another reason. He sent them out of nothing. Because he wanted to wean them from their addiction to self-protection and comfort. And he wanted to learn them or teach them (coughs) to live trusting lives of God who could multiply loaves. Friends, as long as you carry around you all these things, how can you ever experience God multiplying? He showed them that they have beautiful feet, bringing good news. They learned that without intimacy with Jesus, they have nothing to give to others. I want to just quickly be very brief and very to the point here. So many of us in hands, we do not take that step to really make that impact because we think, well, there are other people that are skilled. There are other people that got the tools. You don't know Jesus. You don't know the real Jesus. If that was how we were thinking, why did he take a bunch of pathetic, uneducated fishermen? So in our midst, even this very morning right here, some of the people that can change tens of thousands of lives are not doing it because they can use excuses. Oh, you can say this and that. But you know what? You don't know Jesus. Because if you know the real Jesus, you will have impact every day on people because you know it's got nothing to do with your ability. It's got nothing to do with your education. It's got nothing to do if you can speak the language or not. It's got everything to do with Jesus in you that wants to reach out to people around you and to bring life to them. You don't have to go to a CBO to do that. Do you know how many broken people there are in our midst? It's people that understand that God has called us to to do this. God has called people, He's got this reoccurring dream right through history to raise communities like this. I've spent a lot of time with you, talking with you guys all the time, saying, guys, God has called people all the time. He, He never gives up. He keeps on stirring. We are one of those people that He stirred. I can never stop being amazed how God, that I'm part of that. I always stop and I think, God, this is incredible. Incredible that you actually, that you said George. But that's what he did. People to reach out to those who are forgotten, abused and rejected. But you know, many of these movements like this end up 
and die an early death. And there's one overarching reason for that. You can go and look for that. It is their obsession with self-improvement, their obsession with self-improvement. Hence, let us hear. It's cancer. It's cancer. We give each other half a gap. Let's just have that also. Let's just build that. And it's the beginning of our destruction. Number one. The obsession of accumulation and the acquaintance to the shopping mall mentality. To survive, communities like Hands need to be men and women with very defined, discipled devotion and a crystal clear vision. And that is most probably one of the most amazing things that has happened in Hands in the last year. And nowhere else that I see it more than in Zambia. People just came to me and they just said, I cannot believe the transformation that is happening. Right from the people that prepared the place, how they took ownership. Nobody told them how to do it. In excellence. Right through. I sat in meetings watching African leaders challenging other African leaders standing up and saying, that's not how hands do it. I've watched African leaders speaking to international, international to... I've watched people taking ownership, praying it through, digging it through. I've seen how there was a group of people merging and saying, this is our vision. I heard Audrey in Swaziland (laughs) two days ago. Jackie gave me feedback and she said, Audrey watched somebody and she said, I can see the three F's. (laughs) Some of you won't understand it, but believe me, it's good. And I heard that. And my heart goes, Audrey is a champion in Africa. Hands belongs to her. Even if this place burned down to the ground today and all of us run away, Audrey will live it out because it's inside her. She, the domino effect happens. She doesn't even have to think about it. But at the same time, that we need to have this discipline and clear vision. At the same time, let's be honest, we are just very ordinary people. And we are not, by a long shot, from an elite branch of the church. In fact, we are a bunch of broken people. And it is out of our scars that people can receive healing in their own wounds. So yes, many times people say, are you sure he's going to be the leader? Are you sure that's the right? Are you sure about Dan? (laughs) And I say, 100%. Firstly, because I know they're totally the wrong person. Secondly, because that just reminds me of Jesus taking fishermen to change the face of the earth. You better believe that and you better hold on to it and you better be passionate about it. And you better be proud when you look around to hands and you see leaders coming through and you think, good Lord, be proud of that. We 
because this is what God is doing in our midst. Now let me quickly run through some essential ingredients to make us to be that community that God has called us. Number one, we live incarnational lives. We live incarnational lives. In a simple language, I like to define things simple for myself. In a simple language, what it means to us in hands, it means our goal is to become real to those who are in trouble. It's not simply bringing the gospel to the lost or the oppressed from outside, but it's to live the gospel by becoming part of the community. Relationships will always be the foundation of our outreach. We know people by name because Christ knows our names. Our lives model the gospel message in the midst of ordinary people. We learn it from our Father. He did not ask us to become like Him, but instead He chose to become like us. He fell on us and He taught us how to fall on others. In fact, He jumped into our (coughs) hole. And so when we see people in a hole, guess what we do? We jump into their hole. We learn from other communities right through history, like the Moravians. You know, the Moravians sold themselves to be slaves in Jamaica to reach the slaves. That's a level of incarnational living that they had. But we are also devotional. That is to make our intimacy with Christ an all-consuming passion. We say we are before we do. We pray (coughs) together. We study God's word together. We worship together. And we bring Christ to other communities. In fact, we say, for me to get into your life when I see something wrong in your life, is an act of compassion. It's an act of compassion. Compare that with other places where you come from, where you don't have the right to speak to anybody. We say, yeah, let's speak to each other. It's an act of compassion. Why? Well, if I see Mark lying in the street and he's bleeding, and I reach out to him and I put bandages around his wounds, would that be compassion? Yes. Well, if I see Mark's soul being wounded, and Mark is bleeding all over the place because Mark has got a problem, and I leave him, because I can't get involved in Mark's life. Isn't that a total lack of compassion? Our communities live by core values, by which we live before Christ, before each other, and before the world. That's why we got core values. It's not a law. It's a commitment that we want to do because we know that we live by that core values, we glorify God, we serve one another, and we are a blessing to people who don't know Christ. There's very good reason why we hold the core values. And all three things, loving God, serving each other, and being a blessing to unbelievers, 
is the highest thing we can imagine we spend our lives for. But it hinges on us adhering core values. We are communal. It means that we are intentionally creating interdependence among us. And many of us, when we came here for the first time, we start sharing things which we've never shared before. You know why God does that? You know why why community is so important? It's to deal and to combat the mind stronghold. That stronghold is a philosophy, it's an obsession, it's a worldview. In fact, isn't it interesting that when a child grows, the first thing that that child, when they start communicating, can say with passion is... Mine! Mine! We teach a child that. And today, I want to tell you, you will face dozens of times, today, you'll be terrorized with that stronghold. My phone, my money, my time, my rights. (coughs) When you live in community, by core values, and you are shaped into doing things for other people at your cost. It is the way how Christ deals with your mind stronghold. So it's good for us to learn how to do that and to give. But also for us, as we reach out to a broken, broken world, We are constantly, constantly challenged by grief and loss, isn't it? Yesterday we lost a child in Chilebuli. It will come out today. Nine years old. She fell in a well. You know, Levi shared it with me. He wasn't distraught. I was weeping. I said, Levi, what's her name? How old is it? Tell me what happened. We are facing these things constantly. That's what community does to you. It makes life real to you. You live in a suburb of a picket fence. The guy beats his wife up, his child is abused, and eventually they get divorced. All you know is they're moving. You don't even know why. God's kingdom is displayed through our communities as we choose to voluntarily live together and to cross cultural barriers and to choose God's values over my white South African values. Friends, it's the most offending and the most liberating thing that you can experience in a hands community. In the beginning you hear it and you get angry and you think I'm rude and all of that, and I am all of that. But by God's grace, if you hang in long enough, you get up one morning and you say, Jesus, thank you that I'm not like a white Afrikaners in this way anymore. There's some beautiful things about white Afrikaners, but there's some terrible things about it. And the way you discover it is when you live together and you cross those barriers and you get to know how Canadians and Zimbabweans and Nigerians are doing it, and they influence you, and you discover God's word, and suddenly, it's not black and white anymore. 
It's not as easy as that's them and that's us. Suddenly, you realize the us is more often than not wrong. And you become disillusioned with your worldview. That's a fantastic place to be at. I love it when people in hands get to the lowest point where they say, they normally say it, and when I say it, they're so sorry, but that's good. They say, yeah, that's how you guys do it. And I say, ah, thank you. At least it got out of your heart. Now let's talk. Now we can talk. Yes, it's been ingrained into us from day one. It is not the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of the world. In God, there's one race, mankind. And God died for every one of us. But we are missional also. As a community, we are missional. You know what that means in my language? It's looking outside from oneself. We are outward looking. For us, it means three things. Proclamation, fellowship, and service. I don't want to take, go too deep into it this morning, but you can work it out for yourself. Proclamation, fellowship, and service. These are three things that we believe God is calling us. To be the salt and the light and the city on the hill. It is a lifestyle where all three come together to proclaim the kingdom of God to a broken world. A broken world. Friends, in 20 years, if I must say to you, when were the most incredible moments in my life where I saw God's anointing and power, the most powerful? I will tell you it happened in places where God, by His grace, put me in a cross-cultural situation where I could reach out to somebody and as I reach out to them, the Holy Spirit punched and destroyed the walls of worldview that I belong in that box and in that box and they belong. And when they discover that and I could through servanthood and humility serve those people, I, could, I, I cannot tell you when I look in their eyes when I saw the true life of Christ entering them. That's what it means to be missional. But we want to live as hands. We want to live on the geographical fringes. We always want to be on a move. You know that. We always, we love the word go. We want to be responsible for stretching the borders of the church into places where the kingdom is not known at all. We know standing for righteousness and justice. We will always pay a price. We will always be accused by both of them secretly. I've got wonderful evangelical friends that will speak strong to me. And you know what I say to them? You stand on the corners of the streets and you beat on your breast and you say, we believe in evangelism. We don't like abortion. And then you go home and you carry on with your life. We will always be challenged. Oh, but we don't believe it. Our theology will always be questioned. That's how it is. That's what it is. We, we understand that to be missional and with the vision God has given us, we need to grow in maturity. <coughs> to 
to reach out to communities where the kingdom is completely and totally unknown. You know what we call those places? Satan's killing fields. We're addicted to it. We're hungry for it. This week I sat with Mark and, and Catherine and I said to them, <coughs> yes, yes, yes. But our call first and foremost is to get to the places where there's nobody. And if our model and system don't allow it, we've got the wrong model and system. We are not here to do what everybody else can do. It's not our call. So we must always be unhappy. When Mulenga was a bleeding edge three, four years ago, it's not anymore. Goma is. Makadera is. We will always be in a move. We'll never become established and settled and well-functioning. We'll always be somehow in a crisis mode. Because the people we're together with are in a crisis mode. And we dare to utter the words, we are together. What does it mean? When I spend my quiet time, the majority of it, most probably 45 minutes in the morning, I've just got to make sense of my life. I've just got to calm down and say, Lord, you know, and I think about this, my brain wants to boil. I cannot go there. It's too big for me. When I think of that relationship, that meeting, that, I, I can't. I can't. I throw myself before you. Help me. Help me. Help me. And those moments, I so wish I can just get up one morning and have a day that I know I know how to handle it. But friends, if I must choose a million times, I do not want a day like that. I want to cling to the cross at five o'clock in the morning and say, God, if you don't come through today, I'm going to be eaten up alive. Because that is how Paulina feels in Makadera this morning. In fact, much worse. The last six months, she lived in a bush with her three children. It's such a fine line. It's so important for us to keep this raw in our hearts. Keep it strong. We never want to defend our territory. Never. If you ever see us doing it, just know we're in a bad road. We always are busy taking new territory. Always. We don't have a kingdom to defend here. We are the rebels here. We are the, the freedom soldiers, if you want to call us that. We are. We are here to overthrow a kingdom. So if you loved and accepted and people, it goes well with you here, you've got to have serious questions. Which kingdom are you defending? The enemy will not take kind if we take new territories. We build the plane as we fly it. Last one. We are marginal. What do I mean by that? We want to be Countercultural in a world that wants us to live for ourselves. I'm not saying we get it right, but we cry for that. We speak about that. We pray about that. 
We push each other around that. It just seems like we're always in the fringes of the mainstream of the churches. In fact, we choose to plant ourselves on the edge of the communities that are totally out in the cold. And if that's true about us, if that's what we do, we need to understand that we will be misunderstood by the church many times. We will be misrepresented. We, we will never get involved in any denominational issues. We see beauty in every single denomination. I want to tell you this morning, I will show to you, I'll prove to you, if you want me to, that every single denomination that you can tell me of, that God's hand is beautiful, tapestry in the midst of them, it's there, you can see it. I'll show it to you in every denomination. I will never allow us, and I know you will never allow us, to be critical about denominations and to be sided with one side. God is in every one of them. But that doesn't mean they love us. <laughs> but we're not here to be loved. We're here to challenge them. Serving somebody at times means to challenge them. I want to conclude. Despite that these movements like hands at work are typically, we are normally, it's like God takes us away from a church and he puts us in a place. Now you've got to hear what I'm saying. I don't mean he cuts us off the church. You know each one of you don't have a choice. All of us go to a local church on Sunday, right? We all submit to churches. We believe in it. I've got a very healthy relationship with my own pastor and my elders and I've got relationship with churches all over the world. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying God puts us not connected to one specific church or, because he wants to challenge the Catholic church, the general church through us. So he puts us in a separate place. That's what God does. And sometimes we are even at odds with the church. And that's right. We must be at odds with the church. Because this is how we push them. And sometimes they push us. And I realize, whoa, what are we doing? But one thing that we will never negotiate, and that is that we are here to serve the church. It will never change. The church is the fiancé of Jesus. He's <coughs> coming to marry her. We are here to stir her to get herself ready and presentable. That's what we do. Sometimes you want to get somebody ready, you've got to be hard on them. When I coached Millie in athletics, she got certain goals. And if she wanted to, to run in the SA championships or whatever, she needed a certain time. I said, are you sure you want that? She said, yes. I said, okay, well, here's the training program. And there's times that Melody would come at the end of a training and she will lie next to the field and she will be sick. Literally. I'm serious. It's not me forcing her. It's her dream. I'm just helping her to achieve her dream. Because when she runs in that and she comes first, she comes to me and says, thank you. You prepared me. 
Friends, you've got to understand this is so crucial for us in hands. In today's church, we don't do that. We let everybody just go everywhere. And we are shallow and we fall when the storms come. Now, we're not judging anybody outside. We're saying in hands, we want to be specific and we want to push and we've got a dream, not just that the church support our communities, but that our communities support the church. Not just that they partner with our communities, but they are mainly partnering with hands. And through hands, their leaders are maturing, and our leaders are maturing, and they are growing, and we are growing, and the body of Christ is growing. I want to ask you, be grateful about that model. Embrace it, Neil. Say yes. Be one of those that are growing this year. Let all of us look at it and say, glory to God. Look at that person coming through. Look at our relationship with that. Look how we are doing. Look at our new leaders. I believe each one of you sitting here has been called by your name. Just like Peter, John, and James were called. I'm sure when you're going to meet Peter or John in heaven, and you say, tell me, the first thing they'll say to you, I still can't believe that he chose me. I mean, let me tell you, that day when he came to the beach, there were 98 fishermen. I was the guy who was down. In fact, if you remember, Peter said, go away from me. Peter said to Jesus, the first time they met, he said to him, go away. He chased Jesus away. And Jesus said, Petros, little stone of the big rock, I'll build my church on you. That is you. That's you. That's you. But you can never become that. Peter could never become that man that spoke at Pentecost and got crucified upside down eventually. He could never become that man until he understood and believed. It's got nothing to do with him. His God has called him and he's part of the family and he's got a message for the people at this time. And he took it and he shared it and he must have spoken to many, many educated and clever people. And their comments was, in the book of Acts they said, and they looked at Peter and they could see he was a man who was with Jesus. Petra, can people say when they look at you, he's a man who was with Jesus. That invitation is open for each one of us this morning. You're part of this family. Let's build that plane as we fly it. It's going to nosedive many times. Some people are going to board. They're going to jump. Let them jump. Nothing wrong with that. God bless. The rest of us, this plane is God's plane. And He chose you to be on this plane. Fly it and know that this is the ride of your life. Thank you for joining us. Double, 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 dot, hands at work dot org.